So I had a feeling that uh, Lent is going to be fairly new for most of us. I know it's new for me in my life. So what I want to do is first start talking about, uh, real briefly, what is Lent and why do we observe it? Because uh, it's, new for, it's new for a lot of us and um, it's not even, you know, obviously it's a Christian thing, but it's not really a huge part of all different denominations and things like that. So let's just get on the same page as we kick off Lent together. So, first of all, what is Lent? Real simply, <clears throat> see the allergies. What is Lent? Lent is a ritual of remembering Jesus and the salvation that he gives us. That, that's how, that's, that, that is a, a simple definition for Lent. It is, a, it is a, a ritual of remembering Jesus and his salvation. We talked about in the fall about good religion, right? Rituals and habits that help us grow in the grace of God. And, and Lent is one of those things to help us remember Jesus and his salvation. So I want to talk about five, five reasons why we observe Lent. Number one, the first reason why we are observing Lent is that we want to be purposeful. We want to be a purposeful people. We want to be purposeful in our faith. If you got your notes out, this is where you start writing things down, especially if this is new for you. We want to be, we want to be purposeful. So <clears throat> we have rituals and habits in our lives, in our life of growing in the grace of God. And so just like communion um, that we take when we gather or Selah, like we've introduced in our services, Sabbath, the rhythm of rest in our life to remember that Jesus is the one who sanctifies us, not ourselves. There are so many things that we implement into our Christian life that helps us to be purposeful in remembering the fact that we are Christians and that we are born again and that God is with us. Amen. Amen. Somebody. I know it's Wednesday night. So we, we have these rituals and habits to help us remember and grow in the grace of God. And so Lent is a great rhythm to implement into our busy and loud lives. And it, and it centers around remembering, remembering Jesus. So Lent as a Christian practice, it's not biblical in the sense that it's a biblical instruction or a sacrament or a commandment. Like you're not going to find Lent in the Bible, but that doesn't mean it's not a good thing. It is biblical in the sense that the Bible gives precedent for the practices that we engage with during Lent. So the, the first practice that we're going to talk about that we're implementing during Lent is fasting. And so fasting isn't really prescribed very much in the Bible as far as this is the way you really have to fast and this is what it's going to look like. But it, it, there is a clear precedent and in instruction in Scripture to fast. And so Lent is a time of fasting. Fasting is scriptural. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Moses fasted 40 days. Elijah fasted 40 days. There's, there's quite a bit of fasting in the Bible. There's several important fasts established in the law of Moses. And Jesus not only fasted, but he told us that we would fast after his ascension. So this is a part of our normal rhythm in our life. And Lent is 40 days, 40 days of fasting, because 40 is a significant number in the Bible. I mentioned Jesus' fast, Moses and Elijah, those, those were all 40-day fasts. The people of Israel were in the desert for 40 years. So 40 is a significant number. Um, it usually signifies if something is 40-something in the Bible, it usually means you should just pay attention to it. There's something important going on here. 
So it's, it signifies something important. And Lent is important because it leads up to Easter. And Easter is important. And so we remember this rhythm in our life. This is important. This matters. We're establishing this into our lives. So 40 signifies importance, but it can also signify trial or testing. And isn't fasting a trial and a test? So we are, we are choosing voluntarily to step in to the trial and the test of, of fasting. So in that way, 40 is connected to humility and being humbled. And so we want to be purposeful in our lives to, to choose to be humble before the Lord. Choose to remember our need for him. Choose to remember that we are desperate for him. So fasting is a practice. Uh, scripture clearly tells us that as a practice, it, it breaks the bonds of wickedness, which is phenomenal news. That's a good thing. How many, have you, how many of you have seen wickedness in the world recently? So fasting in our own lives, it, it's an act of crucifying the flesh, which scripture is so clear. We must crucify the flesh if we want to walk in our new self. And fasting is a way that we step in to crucifying the flesh. Fasting is a practice of remembering the supremacy of Jesus over our world and remembering our desperation for him. It is the act of setting aside food or drink to remember that, that he is ultimately the one who sustains us and sustains all things. So fasting, what, what exactly is fasting? It is abstinence from food or drink. Fasting isn't just not doing something. It's specifically related to food or drink. So when you fast, you, you set aside that thing, that food or drink, for the purpose of making time to pray. Otherwise, you're just hungry or thirsty. But like I just said, we're doing this to remember the supremacy of Jesus in the world. So when I have the hunger or the thirst, it's forcing me to remember that Jesus is my greatest need and the greatest need of the world. When I'm hungry or when I'm thirsty, it reminds me that what I'm most desperate for, what the world is most desperate for, is Jesus. So when we set it aside, we, we set aside to make time to pray. It helps us remember to pray. This is why fasting is spiritual warfare. Otherwise, like I said, you're just hungry. But it's to, rem it's to remind you to pray. So fasting, it, it is whole self prayer and intercession. You're throwing your whole self behind this. So number one, we are observing Lent because we want to be purposeful. <clears throat> Number two, we observe Lent because we want to grow. We want to grow. You know in your own life that discipline leads to growth. And we want to be a people that are maturing. We need to mature in God. This has been one of my main prayers for us specifically this year out of Ephesians 4. Uh, verses 12 through 16. We're going to put it up. I'm going to read this to you. This is out of Ephesians 4, and it says, drum roll, to, so the, the gifts are given to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We want to grow because Jesus wants us to grow. Grow up in our faith. Grow in the unity of the faith. Grow up as the body of Christ. Build each other up as the body of Christ. We are saved as children of God, but he wants to mature us into men and women of God. And so we participate in Lent because we want to grow. It is a time to fast, which definitely helps with growth, but it's not just a time of fasting. It's also a time of abstinence which are two separate things. To abstain is to voluntarily refrain from doing something or enjoying something. To voluntarily refrain from doing something or enjoying something. Fasting is an activity of remembering Jesus, longing for Jesus, and making space for prayer. Abstinence is self-discipline for the sake of growing virtue and righteousness. So there's a difference. Fasting is focused on driving me to the place of prayer. Abstinence is self-discipline to go to war against vice in my life so that I produce righteousness. I want to grow in the righteousness of God. So abstinence is essentially self-denial. And self-denial, when you do it to yourself, leads to incredible growth. We've all known that self-denial when somebody else makes me do it doesn't lead to much growth. That's why it's not just denial, self-denial. Choosing something for yourself that you are going to voluntarily refrain from leads to incredible growth in your life. You see this in so many areas of your life, and it's also true in your spiritual growth. So I would encourage you to abstain from something during this Lent period. Abstain from something as an act of self-discipline for growth and maturity. Smith Moses, please sit down. So my question for you is, what is a vice in your life that you can use this time to be consecrated to the Lord and discipline yourself so that you can grow? What is a vice in your life? What is something that's taking away and eating up your moments? What is something that's drawing your attention in your free time? What busyness are you medicating yourself with? What is a jar that you can empty out and bring to the Lord during this time through abstinence? I want to call you and encourage you, come to the Lord. No one can make you do it. I'm not going to prescribe it for you because it won't matter if I do. You must choose it for yourself, and I encourage you to do so that you might grow during this period. Number three, we observe Lent because we value church history. We value church history. The church, this this thing that we are part of, is bigger than we can imagine. It is bigger than we can imagine. The early church fathers, and there's a strong case to be made that Lent, or something like Lent, this 40-day period, goes back to the apostles. There's a strong case for that, but you can't super-duper prove it. But the early church fathers, at least, were, were implementing this rhythm of their life 40 days of prayer and fasting and abstinence, a season, an annual season of prayer and fasting to to focus on the Lord. So we, we value church history. We can value the wisdom from our fathers in the Lord. 
We can value our history as we are saints of the universal church. We can value our tradition as members of the broad body of Christ. Again, Lent isn't just this prescribed biblical activity. It's not an obligation. It is the voluntary participation in something that is more historic than we could possibly understand. And it is a decision to value the fact that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are part of something bigger than just our life and our time period and our decisions. We are stepping in to the momentum of the body of Christ. Number four, we are participating in observing Lent because we love God. We are participating in Lent because we love God. We talked about this last week on Sunday. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 saying that God is love, and it explains love in this way. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The manifestation of love of, of God sending his son for us that he might suffer and die teaches us that, that one core attribute of love is that love suffers. Love suffers because love is a fighting thing. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, to love a thing without wishing to fight for it is not love at all. It is lust. To love a thing without wishing to fight for it is not love at all. It is lust. We want to grow in the spirit in this time, and we also want to crucify the flesh. We want to fight against the flesh as we do this together. We don't just want to set our mind on the spirit. We want to crucify the flesh. And Lent is a beautiful opportunity because we live in a world where we have to choose discomfort. We have to choose want. We have to choose to engage suffering for ourselves. There's so many ways we can escape these things. And so Lent is this beautiful opportunity to choose to step in to the fight to grow my love for God. We've been talking about virtues and not, not one of the theological virtues, but one of the seven virtues is temperance. Temperance. And temperance takes intentionality. You've got to choose it. it Temperance is not a value in our world. It's not easy in your life. It is way too easy to indulge anything and everything at all times. Tempering your desires, tempering your flesh is hard, but when you do it, it is an act of love towards God. It is an act of love towards God to be victorious in the power of God because you love him. We discipline the flesh by keeping something from it for a time as an act of sacrifice and surrender unto the Lord. Number five, we observe Lent because we value the resurrection. We value the resurrection. Easter is the apex of Christian holidays. If Christ is not raised from the dead, we are fools above everyone else. In that way, you could say, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's kind of better than Christmas. I know you can't have one without the other, but I just I thought I'd throw it in there. <clears throat> we remember during Lent that Christ was born so that he could die. And in Lent, we remember that following him is a surrender to taking up that same cross to follow him. We remember, we must remember the centrality of suffering to Christ. 
Suffering was at the center of Christ's existence. It was at the center of his life. It was at the center of his death. And therefore, it is at the center of our lives as Christ followers. And we must choose to remember that suffering is a core element of being a follower of Jesus. We must remember that in case we fall into the temptation to be self-centered in our faith. We follow the God whose body was broken, whose blood was poured out. And as his followers, we expect the same for our bodies to be broken and for our blood to be poured out in our daily dying to self in our life of dying to the world. In the same way that we take Selah moments as we gather together because we value his presence and the gathering of the church, we observe Lent to set our heart, soul, mind, and strength towards the meditation on the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Five reasons why we observe Lent. So to kick off Lent, we are going to read a a popular Lent passage that leads us into this this 40 days of of repentance and remembering the gravity of our sin and also remembering the overwhelming gift of salvation. So as we kick off the Lent season, I want to invite you to stand up and we're going to read the word of God together. We're going to read Psalm 51. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it in front of you. We've got 19 verses, so we're in it for the long haul, just so you know what to expect. Let's read this together, church. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bud guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. 
Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Amen. You can take a seat. Lent has officially begun. So now that Lent has begun, how are we going to participate? How are we going to participate in Lent as a church? Number one, I want to call you to fast and abstain during this time. Fast from something. Fast from food or drink in some way, in some fashion. Now, I just want to be clear that, like, there's not some template throughout church history of what this fast has to look like. So we don't need to get caught up in who's doing the biggest fast and the most thing and the most that. It doesn't really matter. Find something. Find something that you can set apart and fast from in these days. Find something of food or drink that you can put aside, that you regularly want, that will remind you to create that space of prayer in your life. So I'm calling you to fast. I'm calling you to abstain from a vice. Find something to abstain from during these 40 days. Is there a sin in your life that you need to throw aside? Is there a weakness that you need to cast aside? Hebrews 12, one through two says, I'm gonna throw away every sin and weight that clings so closely so that I can run my race. It's not about some religious activity of proving something to God. It's about stepping into the grace of God. I have a race to run and I will set aside a vice during this time that I might grow in discipline and produce righteousness as I walk in the grace of God. I want to invite you to come on Wednesdays between 11 and 1, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Sometime during that time period, I want to encourage you to come into this room and pray. On the next six, uh, what is it, six or seven? <laughs> the next Wednesdays of Lent, we're going to have this room open from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And I want to encourage you to, on those Wednesdays, fast lunch if you can and come and spend time in prayer. We're going to have uh, the communion table open so that you can take communion. We're going to have a contemplative prayer guide, so there's not going to be anything that's directly led, but we're going to have some things here for you. Um, you know, similar, we do, the, we do the meditations during Selah on Sundays to help guide that time. Kind of in a similar vein, we'll have a sheet of paper each week to, to help guide that time. You can come for 15 minutes. You can come for an hour, but let's choose to make this space to come into the house of God and prioritize this in our life to make time and space to pray. So I want to encourage you to come on those Wednesdays. <clears throat> We're also going to be doing, I'm going to be leading a men's early morning prayer on those Wednesdays as well. So men, you better be there. That's all I got to say. I decided on Sunday we're doing this, so... I'll be there. 6 to 7 a.m. The next several Wednesdays, we are going to be praying. So uh, if you are in a house with a man, kick him out the house. Man, I'd love to see you there. Don't be scared if you don't know how to pray. We're going to learn together. And then the last thing is we're doing a church-wide, we're doing a worship night on March 30th. That's a Wednesday night. And I would love for you to be there for that. So those are, the, those are some of the structures that we've put together to help us participate in Lent this year. As I wrap up my time, I want to 
share one last thing with you and to put faith into your heart for this season by sharing a couple of specific words that God has been speaking really clearly to the Antioch movement this year. And these words are faithful and they are true because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So I want you to receive these words uh, because this is what I'm believing for, for you and for us as we create this time through this Lent season. The first word is, um, is that the door is open. I don't have time to go into all these things, so it doesn't need, you don't need to know all that, just receive this. <laughs> the door is open. Lent is remembering that the door is open. Jesus said, I am the door. He has the keys to death and Hades. He has the keys to David. He has set in front of us an open door. The door into the Holy of Holies is open for us. The door into the presence of God is open for us. The door into the grace of God is open for us. The door into a deeper place of prayer is open for you. The door into a deeper place of discipline in the Lord, it is open for you. If there is something you are desiring in the Lord, the door is open open. The door is open and I'm calling you to fast and abstain and pray and set your eyes on, the, on him in this season because of course the door is always open which means now the door is open. The door is open for you and I want to call you and encourage you that as you gaze on him in this season, I can still be louder than all the kids and prophesy. And set your gaze on him in this season because the door is open. I want you to expect more. Expect more. Expect to go deeper. Expect greater revelation of God. Expect wider experience in the love of God. Expect more powerful filling of the Holy Spirit. Believe that the door is open, my friends. The door is open. The door is open. And I wish I could tell you stories of how God's been speaking this, but I'll leave it at this. Uh, two weeks ago, I got to go spend a couple of days with Jimmy Seibert and Joe Ewan, who are leading the Antioch movement. I had two days with them, talked about all kinds of things, and Jimmy looked at me as we were leaving, and he said, I don't care what you take away from this time, but go stand in front of your church and tell them the door is open. I was like, well, okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> so the door is open, and I want you to be encouraged by that. Secondly, I want you to hear the call on the Antioch movement right now to ignite the boiler room. And there's so much that I could share behind this, but God's been speaking to us as a group of churches over the last few years about a boat called the Queen Mary. It was the world's biggest cruise liner, but in World War II, the US military conscripted it, basically stole it and said, you're not a cruise liner anymore, you're a warship. And that's who we are. We are a warship. And so they retrofitted this boat, and it still holds the record for the boat that's carried the most amount of people. It would carry 16,000 troops at a time across the ocean to help, to help fuel the war effort. And it would just take laps across the ocean. So it was, carrying, it was a troop carrier, but it had a boiler room that it had the most state-of-the-art boiler room that anybody had ever made to that point. The reason it never sank is because it was also like one of the fastest ships. And it was so fast because of its boiler room because of what was going on beneath the water, what was going on down deep in the hole. There was fire. There was fire down in the depths of the ship that was being fueled all the time. There was a roaring fire that fueled it so that it could do what it was accomplished to do. And we are being called, God is calling us as a church, but as a group of churches to ignite the boiler room. We must be a people of prayer. We must go into the place of fire. We must go into the deep place of prayer behind closed door by ourselves. Whether when we gather together as the church on Ash Wednesday, whatever it is, we have to go in to the deeper place. The door is open to the boiler room. Will we go in?
Will we go in and participate with God as he ignites us? Be ignited by confession and repentance. Be ignited into intercession and zeal. Be ignited into holiness and brokenness. We need to burn with the holy fire of God. We need to have our hearts purified by the holy fire of God. We need to be set ablaze by the spirit of God. We must fast and pray. We must abstain and make space in our lives to go down into the boiler room and pray. Our prayer for Lent this year is, God, make us your temple because the door is open. We're coming in. Take us into the holy of holies. Take us in to be the place of your dwelling. Make us the boiler room, Lord. We hear you and we're coming. We are coming through the door that you have set open before us. That's why we're doing Lent this year. I want you to stand and come and grab the elements as we take communion. We're going to spend the rest of our time worshiping and praying as we begin this time of Lent together. Come on up. Stay standing as you get back to your seat. Jesus gave us this practice and he said, do this to remember me. Do this to remember me. That's why we take communion and this what Lent is all about, remembering Jesus. I'm gonna pray for us as we receive his body and his blood this evening. Lord, we receive your body broken for us. We remember you tonight. And we consecrate these 40 days to you, 40 days of remembering that you really took on a real body that felt real pain and you really, really got broken for us. You were broken for our healing. You were broken for the healing of the nations. Lord, we remember your broken body and we consecrate ourselves to you, Lord, over these 40 days that our bodies will break as well. We, we partner with you in your sufferings, Lord, through fasting and through abstinence, through remembering you, Lord. I pray that you would take us deep into the broken body of Jesus. As we set our eyes, Lord, we're praying for a revelation of the deep price of salvation over these 40 days, that we would know what it is that your body was broken. And God, I'm praying that you would capture us, that you would capture our hearts and our minds and our bodies, that we might give ourselves to be broken for you that we would give ourselves to be broken for our neighbors and for the nations of the world. Lord, we remember this evening we are Christians bought with the body of Jesus. We receive you, we remember you, and we consecrate ourselves to you tonight. In Jesus' name, let's receive the body of Jesus. Lord, we remember your blood this evening, poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. 
God, I'm asking and I'm praying for everybody here and for our church in this season. Lord, I'm praying for a deep move of repentance by the Holy Spirit. God, we're praying that your blood would wash over us and wash through us, Lord. I'm praying that our hearts would be wide open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that we would know what it is to be forgiven in this season. Lord, that as we look to the cross, we would get a revelation of the beautiful blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we look to the resurrection, we would get a beautiful revelation of the freedom purchased for us by real blood really spilt. Lord, I'm praying that you would bind us together in the unity of the Spirit through the blood of Jesus. Lord, I'm praying that we would be a people quick to go to conviction, that we would be quick to confession to one another and unto you, that we would be quick to contrition, that we would be broken for our sin. Lord, I'm praying even over the things that we're abstaining from, the vices in our life that right now, tonight, we're saying, I don't know, maybe it's not that bad. I'm praying 40 days from now, we would be spitting it out of our lives. We would be spitting it out. It would be making us vomit because I must have the righteousness purchased for me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, on us. The door is open. You have opened the door for us. We are here to come in. Teach us, God, to come. Teach us to come through the open door. And God, by your blood, would you come and stir in us a hunger for your righteousness. Let's receive his blood tonight. Lord, as we kick off these 40 days, I am praying that you would ignite the boiler room in us. Lord, I'm praying over everybody here and everybody in our church that the personal boiler room, the boiler room, the place of prayer, the place of meditating on scripture, the inner place would become a deep burning fire in every person in this room. Lord, I'm praying for everybody in our church that we would be set on fire in the holy place over these 40 days. God, I'm praying over these Wednesday times that you would come and rest in this room as we set our, fi- our face on you. God, we, as we come into this room, God, keep us from low expectation. Keep us from small satisfaction. Teach us to come after you and come into this room and in the quiet place say, oh God, I can't burn in and of myself. I have nothing without you, Jesus. Come set fire. Come set fire on us. Come set fire on us by the Holy Spirit. Yes, God. Yes, God. Why don't you turn to a couple people around you and just pray whatever is stirring in you. Go ahead, turn to a couple people around you. Let's pray. Get with a couple people. If you're uncomfortable, that's fine. You can just be quiet or get with somebody who likes to pray loud and you can just roll with them. Whatever's stirring in you, pray. Pray a remembrance of Jesus and a focus on his death and resurrection.